0: And welcome to another episode of my podcast. I promise a very adequate show again. Uh, In the words of Bill McNeil, this will be the glowing essence of adequacy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I haven't... Like, I'm having technical issues, which is why the video of the last one hasn't been released. It's available on podcasting platforms. Uh, Hopefully, I can get this one out. I mean, I can almost certainly get the audio version out. Video, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be fixed sometime soon. I don't have an exact date. Um, hopefully today. But I I can guarantee nothing at this point. Uh, life is like that. It's fun like that. Uh, but, as if you've looked online, I have posted. I would like to find a co-host. I would like to... Just someone I have a good rapport with. Um, go ahead and... Uh, I have information... I'll go ahead and put information like that in the description box. And, uh... Also, like, I'm pretty much... Wowdask for you as a co-host is, uh... Uh, kind of like... We'll converse about the topics that a lot of the fans request. Uh... Also, most of the time, come with your own, like, rant or segment prepared. Um... But, yeah, I... If you've already submitted information to me... Uh, I will get to it probably in about a week. I want to let some of them collect. And then we'll do, like, uh, online interviews and see if we have good rapport. And then if that works out, uh, we'll do, like, episodes where we guest host. And what I largely envision is it will, like, if it works out well, uh, the podcasting YouTube channel will be, like, a co-owned channel between myself and the co-host, whoever it may be. Um... So yeah, if you're interested, I'll put information in the description box. Uh, as for the episode today, right now, uh, we're, I'm just going to do two co- topics. I'm not even going to do a soapbox. I don't have a clear soapbox uh, figured out for today. So, And I, it's a day off from my normal job, so I definitely want to get a podcast in. So instead, we're going to just be covering two topics. Uh, we're going to do a versus and a personal story. The the, the personal story, they're both requests. And the personal story, uh, it's just something of, at first I wasn't really going to do it. I was going to kind of incorporate personal stories more into the podcast and other topics. And that is still mainly my plan, but I think I'll go ahead and do a personal story today uh, of just kind of an event that probably shaped my life more than anything else ever. And I don't see anything else shaping my life in such a drastic way again. Of course, that always changes. Uh, but as for the first verses, we are going to tackle something that uh, I've thought about doing a full edited video for for a while, but uh, I haven't. And it is Despicable Me versus Mega Mind. Uh, DreamWorks versus uh, Illumination Studios, I think they call themselves. Um, these are, uh, two movies I believe came out in the same year, 2008, I want to say, maybe 2010, maybe 2011, God, I don't know. Research is good, people. We should all do more research. Uh, but these movies, they came out in the same year, and they have very similar, uh, premises behind them. It's about a villain who, uh, essentially turns good, um, uh, Despicable Me, of course, we have Gru as voiced by Steve Carell, and uh, he has these group of minions called Minions, and in uh, Megamind, we have Megamind, and he is voiced by Will Ferrell, and he has a minion named Minion, Uh, another parallel between these two movies, and the question of which one's better. And of course, judging how this little podcast will do, will determine whether or not I do a full video on it. So if you want to see me do a full video on it, make sure this one gets viewed. (laughs) But uh, breaking this down, which do I think is better? Which is an interesting question, because neither one of these movies is great. They have a very similar premise, and it's a cool premise. But if we break it down, uh, there are positives to both these movies. Uh Megamind Megamind has a really cool I think the actual character of Megamind is actually well explored in that movie. Uh spoilers. Full fledged spoilers, FYI. Uh that movie begins and it's like a typical superhero story. Um Megamind has kidnapped the lowest Lane type character and he holds her hostage and Metro's metro city man metro man has to go save her uh and it's a very typical like superman style story and then the twist comes in the first uh, act where feels that he's weak to copper which seems weird now of nowhere for obvious reasons that we'll get to later uh and Mind kills him not even intending to kill him it's like an accident and he's like oh i've killed him i guess i win." And then he takes over the city at the beginning of Act 2. And this is definitely the uh, low point of this movie. Because this is so boring. This is Megamind getting everything he's ever wanted. And as an audience, we're just kind of bored. Because we don't even see where the story's going from this point. And it's not clear. You know, Maybe if you've seen the trailers, you know where the story's is going. Well, I know when I first watched it, I, I really didn't know much about the movie. I went in fairly blind and I was just bored to death. At the beginning of the second act and he gets bored and he decides he needs to be uh and he also gets uh, kind of a relationship going on with the lois lane stand-in uh and he kind of decides he doesn't he's bored so he needs a new uh metro man to take the place of the hero so he can go back to just being the standard villain and that's actually where the story gets interesting again, because he, he genetically engineers this guy to be the new Metro Man, the new hero form, Metro City. Uh, and I, I, the, the, here's actually kind of a funny thing. The Megamind does do this thing where he mispronounces names, and sometimes it's kind of funny. Like, he doesn't call it Metro City, he calls it Metrocity. Which, if you, if you look at just the word, and you don't know, and you can't tell, it's clearly it's like two words put together. I could see pronouncing metrosti. Then, uh, but he also calls it, like, "school" instead of, like, school. And that one doesn't work quite work for me. So it's kind of this hit-and-miss thing. Because uh, he's an alien. But anyways. Uh, so he builds this new uh, Metro Man. And this is kind of interesting, because the, the guy he picks, he's kind of a loser. He's kind of a nerd. But he decides he's going to use his powers to, you know, take over the world and t- just take whatever he wants. And this is when Megamind's going, no, you're the hero. You can't do that. And the new Metro Man's like, no, I'm just going to do that. And that's where it gets interesting, because that's what forces Megamind into, like, the hero role, because now he's made, like, this real villain, except this guy, he has all the powers of his of the old hero, except now he doesn't care about killing and stuff like that. Now, of course, it's animated, so it never gets that dark. But like, the implications there, that he just does not care, and Megamind's trying to save him. And that, that's really what gets interesting, because it's actually very convincing Megamind's turn to a good guy, because it's kind of clear, like, he just kind of enjoyed being the villain as just to be, like, you know, in opposition to Metro Man, and that's kind of what he enjoyed. He wasn't like, oh yeah, let's kill everyone. It was just a role he enjoyed playing. So it it felt very genuine when he decides where he kind of takes up the mantle of the hero to defeat this new Metro Man that he created. But uh so I actually really like his arc in the movie. Um, and that plays almost pair plays against uh the actual Metro Man, who of course faked his death. Because he didn't want to be a hero anymore. He was bored by it. He thought it was lame. And to a degree, I get that. And at the same time, it's also like, wow, dude, come on. <laughs> it's kind of awful. Um, now, how does uh, Despicable Me play out? Despicable Me plays out a bit more standard. Uh, we have Gru, and he's a villain, and he wants to do all these hijinks, and I, he wants to capture the moon in that movie. And part of his plan is to adopt these young girls. And it's like a cover story for him. God, exactly how exactly does that work? It is part of his plan to to adopt these young girls as a cover story. Shit. <laughs> this is why research is important. I don't remember that at all. I hope you get nice audio of me typing. <laughs> I know it was one of the first illumination movies, I believe. And they kind of launched that whole franchise or uh, I don't know, franchise studio. And yeah, he needs the shrink ray from his from another essentially he's going against another super villain because he wants to use the Shrinkway to capture the moon. Yeah, reading's fun. Video of some guy reading is always the best. Uh... Why does he adopt the girls anyway? I'm really baffled by this. I'm trying to remember. What's the point of adopting the girls at all? Do he has no clue yet. Gru attempts parenting in initially, Gru, Gru's attempt at parenting are initially disastrous because he has no clue what to do with the children. I'm still trying to remember what the heck the kids have to do with the movie at all. Why adopt the kids? Uh, Gru and his two minions successfully steal the shrink ray from a research base, but Vector intercepts them and steals it for himself. Gru attempts to steal back the shrimp gray from Vector's fortress, only to get ambushed by several booby traps. He knows notices three orphan girls named Margo, Edith, and Agnes gain access to Vector's fortress because they are selling cookies. Okay. Wow, is that it? Wow. Oh my God, that is such a leap. Okay, so he adopts the girls so he can use them to sell cookies to get into Vector's house. God, no wonder I didn't remember that. Jesus, as a stretch, holy crap! I'm going to adopt children, so they can just. Dis- There's no easier way. He can't find actual Girl Scouts selling cookies and be like, "Hey, this guy likes to buy cookies. You should sell them to him." That's all he had to do. But no, okay. So he, I guess, that's the conceit of the movie. So he adopts the girls, so they'll sell. They'll pose as Girl Scouts to sell cookies to Vector to distract him, so he can steal the Shrink Ray. Wow, 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 that is kind of mind blowing, oh my god, I know what I'll do, I'll adopt children, that's such a stretch, man, anyways, of course, he adopts the girls, he gets a close relationship with them, and he becomes kind of a father figure to them and that turns him good. Uh, he steals the moon, but then he regrets it because he misses a recital and he returns the moon and does he... I know he eventually goes to a recital or something. I think he does miss the the one, though. And that's the entire arc of uh, Megamind and Despicable Me. And now that I break it down, yes, the, the beginning of the second act of Megamind is very boring and spickle me doesn't have anything remotely that boring in it but overall looking just remembering and looking at these two plot lines this isn't even close i mean megamind is much much better it's a much clearer arc i mean you kind of follow the motivations a lot better i mean I know what I will do. I will distract him with cookies by adopting three children. You're adopting children. My God, that seems like running a mile to go an inch. What are you doing? Are you supposed to be a mastermind? Cause you sound like a fucking idiot when you do shit like that. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I just discovered it live on camera. This is dumb. God, I didn't realize how dumb Despicable Me was. I mean, I guess I guess it's a well enough told story because when you're watching it, it don't realize how just out of his way he's going. He wants to sell cookies to the mate to Vector? So he's going to adopt children? that's the easiest way to do that in your head what what drugs are you on my god i know they do these crazy master plans i mean he's he's going to steal the moon with a shrink ray okay sure so part of that plan is adopt children i know i'm getting hung up on this but wow wow that's that's a no-brainer i mean okay so Megamind is better than Despicable Me. I'm declaring it right now. It's a fact. You cannot disprove this. It is an absolute thing. If you want to see a villain turn good story, you watch Megamind. Don't worry about Despicable Me. Wow. Wow. Oh my god. Adopt children. Step one, adopt children. I see a problem with your plan immediately immediately <laughs> wow no wonder I didn't remember that all right rather than spend an hour shocked at that plan let's go ahead and move on to the second and only like the last topic actually for this podcast it, I don't know if this will be a shorter one it's definitely gonna be shorter than the first one but uh, I was asked to talk about my personal life and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about one of the biggest events in my life. But I'm not, I'm not going to go into, like, super details. I'm not going to go into, oh, they did this, they did this. I, I'm i going to talk about it from the perspective of me internally. It's going to be about my divorce. And it's kind of weird. Before my divorce, i usually say, like, the biggest event in my life would be the birth of my children. But now, now the, the divorce... I don't know, like, I don't think this is necessarily the biggest event in my life, but this was a huge event because it reshaped me drastically. Um, Because throughout my life, I've always thought, you know, the goal is, you know, find yourself a job, get married, have kids, and, you know, that's kind of it. You win. You get those things, you win. And, you know, I've never had a good or successful job at all. And... But I did, you know, I did get married and have kids. So I'm like, hey, I'm part of the way there. I'm mostly there, right? Two out of three ain't bad, right? So you know, you're thinking, you know, you're done with this chapter of your life, and then when you get, when you, when you get, when you're with somebody for so long, and then you get divorced, it's this huge resetting event. Like so much of your life is just. Destroyed. It's wrecked. And that's what my divorce was to me. It was just me realizing that so much of my life is just so there's so much, like, not only is there so much more to life, but there's like I'm not even remotely there as far as where I want to be and where I need to go and like how far I'm willing to even push myself. Like, before my divorce, like I was always like afraid to do anything. Like I won't do a podcast for my divorce. I'm actually kind of shocked. I did a YouTube channel at all before my divorce. I didn't do it a whole lot. In fact, I don't even know if it's still up. But if you go into my old videos, you might be able to find the video where uh, my ex wife did a little uh, voiceover. Wasn't much. It was just a dumb little joke. And I'm definitely not gonna dig it up because I hate my old videos. I hate them. I don't even like my new videos, uh, but I enjoy making them. So I, I torture myself with my terrible voice and I make these videos and I'm glad at least some of you guys like them. So, I mean, that's cool by me. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm shocked I even made them then. Uh, but there's always this fear like, oh my God, you know, what if I get a copyright claim and somebody sues me and I go to the poorhouse for the rest of my life? Uh, you know, there's all types of little fears I have. And what I kind of realize is all those fears don't mean anything. Just do it. You wanna do something, you do it. Uh, you know, and of course, and of course there's limits. You don't commit crimes. But like, if there's something you wanna do in your life, like make videos, like make a movie. Like I, I now I do have limits, it's like making a movie I would have to be limited to where I live, so i can't I can't move really too far out because of my kids. but I can still make videos. I can get a lot of those creative itches out just by you know doing a podcast or making a video. Um, and that's really helpful to me. but also like kind of losing and you know getting told no, these are fears I used to have. And now, like, this still sucks when those things happen, but I kind of move on with it. I'm kind of okay with it. And that was a big thing that the divorce taught me. Because, you know, there's no actual, like, ending to, to life until you're dead. So there's a lot you can still do, even if you feel like you've made it. You know, the only time I'd say you've made it is if you're happy. If you're happy with yourself, then you've made it doesn't matter about your job, doesn't matter, you know, what you're doing, doesn't matter if you have kids or if you don't have kids. Um I personally have a preference to having kids cuz I have kids. But it doesn't matter, doesn't matter if you're married, doesn't matter if you're living with someone. All that matters is are you happy? And past that, you just kind of have to figure out how you can become happy in a way that uh you know, works with everyone else. Obviously, you don't hurt any like if you're if you if you're happy hurting people, then uh, you have problems and you need to seek help. But is anything past that? Just figure out what you need to do to be happy. Because what the divorce did is it it was just a solid fucking kick in the balls. It destroyed me, it hollowed me out, and I had to take myself hollowed out and just recreate myself and you know, look at aspects of my life and be like, okay, I like that, I don't like that, how do I move past that? And that was kind of a really interesting time in my life and it wasn't easy. It was as brutal as it gets from an emotional level. There's nothing fun about a divorce. I'm gonna tell you that right now. It's, and even once it's done, things can always get caught up again. There's always new fights to be potentially had. And none of it is fun. And all I can say is just do the best you can for yourself. Do the best you can for your family if that, if you ever find yourself in that situation. But also the advice I'd give you after my divorce is, don't fear no. Move on from no, evolve from no, but don't fear no. Someone telling you no, at the grand scheme of things doesn't mean much. It just means now you have now you know where someone stands on something. Now you can figure out how best to move on from that. So I guess it didn't get too personal, but it's kind of life lessons, I guess. Life lessons from Kai who's kind of a loser. So there you go. Uh, yeah, so this is going to be even shorter than the other ones. Um, like I said, if you're interested in being a co-host, kind of discussing stuff, uh, I will put uh, details in the description box. Um, as for, uh, I'll try to do at least some of these, like every every day off. I'm off of work from my normal job. When I don't have my kids, I'll probably try to get something out. Um, until then, I hope you enjoyed this very, very adequate show. Um, and, uh, next time we'll definitely be discussing Loki. Um, I don't think I'll have a chance to watch the new Fast and Furious before then. So, uh, it'll mainly be, uh, Loki. And as for the o- other topics, um, you tell me what I'm going to be discussing, uh, type in the comments below. Take it easy.